0: God is concerned for every detail. And he is going to make sure that everything will work out. He always does. He always does. 23 years now serving the Lord and being a missionary for more than half of that time, way more than half that time, and serving the Lord for the whole time, all I can say is that he has never failed me. How many can say amen? He always has the last word. He always has the last word. Let us go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you that you are a divine appointment, God. And I pray that this morning that you will allow my life, my voice, to speak your word. Open our hearts, prepare our lives, that, Lord God, we would claim victory, we would claim healing, we would believe that... You are truly at work within our lives. No matter what, create us to be your vessels of honor and glory because you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor, and no one else does. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, Victory Outreach. You may be seated. I'm glad that I was allowed to speak as they're promoting Run for Hope because last year we were blessed to receive a a love offering from the Run for Hope finances that were raised up. And uh, thank God for Sister Julie and, and, you know, the Victor Outreach to know and to hear that we were remodeling a house there in the Philippines that we're preparing for missionaries. How many can say amen? It is pretty much almost complete. Just a few things that I need to be there to oversee to get done to make sure that they do it right how many could say amen you know when you got men's home working for you you gotta you know check and balance stuff sometimes but there's just some things that they don't know how to do so I had to thank God for my training with you know the Diaz brothers and stuff you know construction so you know every time I come in I, I get in I enlist into slavery for a minute hard hard hardcore. kill my flesh amen but You know, I enjoy it. That's why I continue to do it. Amen. Try to stay young. How many know you don't do anything? You're going to get old quick. Time to do something. Tell your neighbor it's time to do something. But I want to thank God for Run for Hope. So I want to encourage all y'all, just get involved, you know, if you you know, you know can't run, can't walk, whatever, just, you know, continue to rally it because those finances are making a difference and they're providing a war kitty so that our founders and leaders can go to the different countries and strengthen and solidify the efforts of Victory Outreach International. How many can say amen? And so I just want you to know that, you know, we have seen some of those finances there in our missionary house and also... Pray for us because that property was offered to us that we can purchase it. And it's been our men's home property for ten years. About ten years since we became self-supported. God opened the door for that property. And the owner of the property is a pastor, he's a good friend of mine. And every time I pay him the rent, he turns around and gives me a little Pentecostal. How many can say amen? So this is for you and your wife. Amen. So I said, Praise the Lord. So I like to pay the rent. But no, he actually, the property is listed and it's 2,000 square meters, which is about 50, uh, more or less, do the math, it's, you know, in feet. It's two point something per meter per feet, so it's like double that. It's almost 50,000 square feet property, and the property value, with the house alone, the house alone is valued at at least $2 million. And uh, he said the house is free and the property is not gonna be hundred dollars a square foot but or square meter, but it will only be twenty dollars a square meter. So we and then he said you can also rent to own. So we just got we're working I're gonna challenge the church when we go home. We're gonna raise the finances with the church to go ahead and get started, and we're gonna claim some land for the for Victory Outreach International. I'm gonna say amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to read from Matthew chapter five. Thank you, AJ. And today I would like to title this Our Attitude Determines Our Altitude. Matthew 5, we're going to read from the Beatitudes there. Matthew 5, verse 1 begins saying this It says, And seeing the multitudes, tell your neighbor, he saw the multitudes. He went up into the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall reproach you, persecute you, and say all manners of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, where shall it be salted again? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under the bushel, but on the stand, and it shineth unto all that are in the house. Even so, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works. Tell your neighbors, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the anointing of this word. Let your Holy Spirit have its way. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Our attitude determines our altitude. And when I was reading this text a couple of months ago, the Lord was ministering to me because what we see here is Jesus had began his ministry and he was actually seeing a lot of healings and things take place. And as he came to this point, he, he, took, a, he took a minute and He paused. Because he saw that the good things that was taking place through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he was seeing people get healed and touched, he saw that he had to stop for a minute and sit down with the disciples and begin to teach them something. Because a lot of times we can get caught up you know, like here, he, was, he knew that if the disciples were so focused on the signs and the wonders and so forth, but they didn't really have an opportunity to understand that the true light and salt that takes place in our life, the, the truth that takes place is how we live and how our lives model to others. Can I get an amen? So he began to sit down and taught, teach them these things, and he began to talk about how, first of all, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you would just think about it for a minute is if, if you're going to go and you're going to Christianity teaches us that, you know, as we continue to walk closer and closer to Christ, we get closer and closer. We begin to see the glory and the power of God, and we begin to experience more of an encounter with the Lord. What happens is it's because our character begins to be exposed by the light of God in our lives. Can I get an Amen. So bear with me as you begin to see, I, I see kind of a, a mountain experience. How many know that you know you're on, on the road to success because it's uphill all the way? And you know you're on the road to success in Christianity because it's not going to be the easy road. It's going to be a step-by-step process in our character, in our walk, and in our, in our drawing close to God. Can I get an Amen. So Jesus begins to teach here and he talks about, first of all, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now I look at this as basically the the base of the mountain in our Christian life, in our Christian journey. Because the truth is, everything else is based on our humility in Christ. Nothing else matters. It's not about, you know, the other things first. But humility in Christ comes to a point where, listen, poor in spirit, basically what he's saying, blessed are they that are humble and have a conscience need of Jesus Christ in their life. Humility is understanding, listen, I am nothing without him. That I need Christ in my life and that I need to be clothed in his righteousness, not my own. The Latin word here talks about humilis, basically to be low when it talks about humility. And when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the word is makarios. When it talks about blessed are they, blessed are they, the word is makarios in the original language. Makarios, when translated, it basically means that you're, you're happy even though the trials and the things around you on the outside are not so good. You're happy and you're blessed on the inside. It's an inward blessing, not because of the outward blessing. How many know that a lot of Christians today can be a little bit of emotional, that they're always good when the money's good, when their accounts are good, when their children are obedient, when their household is good, everything's good and they can smile. But when, they, when they're going through the valley, how many know a lot of times Christians can allow their outward circumstances to begin to affect the inward. But my friend, Jesus has given us the key right here. Listen, humility is the foundation of all of our Christian life. No matter what, how low can you go? No matter what, humility is power under control. No matter what, humility will always reward in the end. You see, it's like the Bible says that when you're able to humble yourself, even therefore to your enemies, it's like heaping hot oil upon the head of your enemy. Can I get an amen? In other words, what happens is when we allow the, the attitude of humility to be basis in our Christian life, what happens is we're able to receive an anointing. Without humility, there's not going to be an anointing of God upon your life. Because a humility in Christ means this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have a conscience need that we need Jesus Christ. That has to be the helmet of our salvation. That has to be the helmet that continues to guard our minds. Humility is that helmet. Knowing and understanding that without him, apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. This is the foundation of, our, of, of the kingdom of God. This is the foundation of the mountain as we continue to go on this journey uphill towards Christ in our Christian life. This is signified by our willingness to be emptied out of everything. Sometimes we want to hold on to stuff. And when we hold on to this stuff, what happens is we're not truly allowing the humility power of God to come into our life. Because we need to understand God cannot pour in the anointing if we still got a bunch of junk inside of our trunk. Can I get an amen? We need to come to the point where, just like the day we came to Jesus Christ, just like the very first time where we slid into church or went into the home or whatever it may have been, we came into a desperate understanding that, listen, everything else didn't work. Everything else cannot help me. I've tried this. I've tried that. Well, my friend, I know today is the day of salvation. Why? Because today I have acknowledged that I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's the very minute. That's why it's the foundation. But the truth is, we as our inner our Christian lives, maybe five or ten years later, it shouldn't change. It needs to stay the same mindset, same attitude that every day I wake up, I thank God for the grace and mercy of God. I thank God that today I am who I am only because God has decided to clothe me in his righteousness. Only because God has saved me from where I was. And how many know that our future is only going somewhere because he has written it into the kingdom. How I many you know Job was a, a good example of being poor in the Spirit? He blessed God even when everything was stripped away. He blessed God and still continued to give God the glory even when everything was stripped away. His money, his finances, his household, his family, everything, even his physical health. He still sat there in his hospital bed. Can I get an amen? He still sat there in his circumstances, and he was still a blessed man, not because of his outward circumstances. Like Paul said, I I learned to bless God in all circumstances when I have abound and when I am a base. Step number two in our journey in Christianity, he says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You see, mourning comes from the Greek word pentheo or penitence. Basically means that we have to have an attitude of mourning over our sin. You see... We have to begin, as we begin to acknowledge more and more we need Jesus, that humility takes place, then the next step starts to take place in our Christian journey is that we start to have a, a, a mourning spirit over the sin of the world around us. All of a sudden, sin doesn't taste so good. All of a sudden, you're starting to see, because you're getting closer and closer in this journey to God, you're starting to experience the goodness of God. So what happens is God changes your want-to's. God begins to change your want-tos. In other words, I don't want to do those things anymore. Why? Because they've only killed, still, and destroyed my life. You begin to have a mourning not only of your own sin, but you also start to mourn over the sin of others. The yoke of sin versus the yoke of Christ, my friend, you start to determine, hey, this is where you you start to determine. You've given your life to God. You've come to the point where humility is the basis, but now you're understanding, listen, now i got to start pushing away that lifestyle, little by little. You know, it might not happen overnight. It might not happen in one day or one instant. How many could say amen? But little by little, what happens is the more you pray, the more you go to church, the more you're in the presence of God, the more you see the glory and the light of God, the more you start to see the sin in your life, and you start to say, I don't want nothing to do with this anymore. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be a part of it anymore, because that's what happens as you continue on your journey closer and closer to the Lord. You have a deep sorrow of sin, which leads to true repentance. When it's built upon humility and a conscious need of God and his love in your life. Can I get a praise of the Lord? Thirdly, Matthew 5, 5, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Gentle basically means what? Marking the birth of a new spirit. You see, meekness is not weakness. What happens is, in our meekness in Christ, we learn not to say something when we really want to say something. We learn to control the tongue. We've learned to control the the life that we're living and our actions and even, most especially, the tongue. Because why? There is now, this is where, this is a, a birthing of the new spirit in you. It's a process that ha- takes place because you're, you're blessed now when you're meek. You're blessed when you're persecuted, when you're abandoned, when things are not going your way. Guess what? The fruits of the Spirit are starting to bear in your life at this point. Why? Because there's a rebirthing of your new spirit in your life. Meekness the, is the quality of those who submit themselves to God. Quietly submit themselves to God. You see, Christ continued to show us the difference. There are those that submit themselves to God in the sight of all men. And that's, there's a time and season to be able to let your light shine. But... The difference is the matter of the heart. When there's a birthing of the new spirit, what happens is you're just there and you're meekly before God and you're there before God. And what happens is you're submitting yourself to God, not caring who knows about it, not caring who recognizes it, not caring who sees it. Because why? There's a meekness inside of your spirit, a quietness inside of your soul. This is all I want to do is get connected to Christ. Submission. This is where the Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he shall lift you up. I remember sometimes sitting down, and I think maybe pastor would remember, we were sitting down at a conference having lunch with some guys, and we've been missionary pastors for probably 13 or 12 years already, and one of the, one of the men of God says, he leans over and says, you're, you're a missionary pastor? How come I don't know who you are? And I I could just sit there and say, I'm just doing what God called me to do. I ain't trying to let people know who I am. I'm just trying to let people know who Victory Outreach is doing, what Victory Outreach is doing in another country. It ain't about me, it's about the the, the movement, it's about the, the calling, it's about God being glorified, it's about how many know that many times if we're trying to put our name up there and say, listen, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm doing, we're trying to be with the right people at the right time, listen, this ain't politics, this is about saving souls. This is about reaching the lost. This is about when you're submitting to God, you're just a humble, obedient servant under the mighty hand of God, and God is able to take you and use you in the most powerful ways. Why? Because he knows that he's going to get the glory. How many can say amen? You see, we rarely don't get provoked when we have that meekness about us. We're quick and easy also to pacify Even the toughest situations. We'd rather be be able to forgive 20 injuries than take revenge over one. Blessed are the meek because meekness is not weakness. It takes power under control. It takes the ability to resist the urge to take revenge over somebody when they wrong you. When they say something about you. How many can say amen? But it's easier the more you submit yourself to the hand of God, it's easier to forgive 20 times 20 times 20 instead of fighting back for just the one. How many can say amen? How many know the battle's not ours, but the battle is the Lord's? I mean, know that we are just his empty vessels that he decides to put his name and his stamp of the Holy Spirit upon. And this is when you have that regeneration of the spirit. It becomes easier. It becomes a lot easier to submit yourself to God and allow God to be lifted up. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this afternoon? Blessed are they, step number four. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is talking about now that you have a, a rebirth of the Spirit in your life, there starts to have a hunger a hunger not for the things of the world anymore, but a hunger, a spiritual appetite starts to be there because the spirit has been reborn inside your life. And because of that rebirth, now you're hungry. Now you're desiring for the word of God. Now there's a desire to preach the word of God. Now there's a desire to get in the presence of God. Now there's a desire every single day. How many know that if you starve that appetite, my friend, you're going to have an anorexic spirit? Let me ask you today, church, how's your diet? How's your diet? One thing, as I'm getting younger in the Lord, how many can say amen? I'm learning a little more about the diet. And the truth is, as I continue to think about it, we are what we eat. Hello, somebody. Think about it. When you eat red meat, how good it is, how delicious it is. How many know that carne asada tastes real good, that carnitas is the bomb.com. How many can say amen? But how many know that after you sit there and indulge, you don't feel like doing a whole lot? In fact, you feel like laying back and taking a nice siesta, right? You think about it, what do cows and pigs do? They just stand around eating and eating. They don't move a lot. They don't run around in the fields. They don't have no kind of exercise or blood pumping through their veins. They're just slow motion. When you eat fish and chicken, how many know that fish and chicken, they're busy animals? Right? Right? I had chickens running around the men's home property for a while there. How many can say when I was directing the, the people? They were so grateful for what we we're doing for them. they didn't have money or nothing, so they'd bring me chickens and roosters, and they would, you know, here, this is for you, Pastor. I'm like, okay. I had Chinese chickens, I had Texas fighting roosters, I had, you know, hens, hello, I even had two ducks. My wife started singing and saying, "Old Mick Christian had a farm. How many can say amen? But if you think about fish and chicken, you eat it, you don't, you don't feel real lazy as much. You can get up and keep on going. Can I get an Amen. Why? Because they're active. They're very busy. We are what we eat. And the truth is, is if we as Christians don't understand the importance of that spiritual appetite and feeding that spiritual appetite and understanding that there's a new appetite inside your life with the rebirth of the Spirit, that Spirit is hungry. That Spirit wants nutrition. That Spirit wants weapons. That Spirit, that spirit wants something that you can fight back with. How many know the more you digest the Word and the more you get in the presence of God, the stronger the Spirit is and then the flesh becomes weaker. That's the war that Paul was talking about inside of the members of our body. The war of the spirit and of the flesh within ourselves. That's the war that takes place as you have a rebirthing of the spirit. Now you're at that level where you get to know God a little more and you have a rebirth and all of a sudden the things of the world don't taste so good anymore. My friend, that's when you need to feed on the spiritual things. Get involved in the classes in the church. Get involved in the evangelism of the church. Get involved in the life groups of the church. Why? Because if you feed it more and more, what's going to happen is God is going to say, okay, now your meekness, now your desire is going to begin to be satisfied. The more you're going to be able to see God begin to unleash those weapons inside of your life to do greater things for God. The world and its so-called righteousness will never satisfy you anymore, but God's righteousness will truly be satisfying. Like we say in the Philippines, Basukana. I'm nice and full. I'm content. Think about the men of God in the New Testament. Why were they so easily content in in tough circumstances, in persecution? They were facing persecution. They were facing death on the crosses. They were being stoned and killed on the streets. How many can say amen? But why were they still moved to do what God called them to do? Because inside of them they had that spiritual appetite to save, to preach the gospel. Because I cannot, it's like Jeremiah said, it's a fire that's shut up in my bones. I can't hold it back. It just wants to come out. You think about right now, if you learn anything about the Asian countries right now where Christianity is not acceptable. You think about these these Christians there who are worshiping God in the caves of China worshiping God and sitting under, and they're, they're happy to have a preaching sermon that's three, four, five hours long. Can I get an amen? They want more after five hours. They want more after six hours. They want more. Why? Because they're so hungry. Because why? They're not allowed to have Bibles. They're not allowed to have those things. So they have a, a spiritual appetite that's starving inside of them. But how many know that we as Christians, sometimes when we got everything so easily provided for us, many times we can easily become content with not using the tools can I preach it because I see the revival that takes place in these places and it begins to stir something up within me when I start feeling like taking it easy because out there in the mission field church, listen, I don't have somebody watching over my shoulder. I don't have a pastor telling me, okay, you're getting a little kind of comfortable there. It's time to get up. No, I got to get that appetite inside me. And sometimes I just got to wake myself up in the spirit and say, and look up and see the need. And I start to see those Filipinos being killed in the streets of the Philippines. And those people who are being stolen, sold on the sixth slavery. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. Because it continues to move me to understand, listen, we have a biblical mandate. We have a divine encounter with God. And God has called us, listen, with that rebirth of the spirit, I can't help but be moved by the compassion of the Lord. That's why Victory Outreach, we need to do all we can together through United We Can, through the Run for Hope, through the whatever means possible. We got to band together. We need to pray together. We should have a prayer circle right here, lifting up the work in Asia every single week, every single week. You should have a group getting together and interceding and saying, Listen, that's our baby church over there. Oh, we shouldn't be focused just on, you know, praying for our backyard either. You got a baby church out there in the Philippines that needs your prayers. Can I get an amen? amen? Blessed are the pure in heart, he says, for they shall see God. You see, this begins to mark the height of holiness in the right perspective. Our attitude determines our altitude. You see, you won't be able to climb this mountain step by step, if you allow your attitude to be diluted or diverted, if you allow the enemy to continue to whisper in your ear about your leaders and about the church and about the offerings and about this and about that, how many know your attitude will start to get distorted? And you'll be stuck going up the mountain because God wants holy people. He says, be holy as I am holy. We're not gonna be perfect. God didn't call us to be perfect, but he called us to draw near to him so that he can draw near to us. Give the Lord a hand of praise. You see, this begins to show us where our right perspective is when we have a pure heart. This is where one starts to see visions for the Lord. The veil has been removed from our eyes and from our hearts you see Moses in the veil because he became face to face with the holy god his face it would glow with a radiance as he came out from the presence of god he had to wear a veil because the people of god were in such sin that they could not behold his face and and so what happened was is that there was such a glory upon his life that's the light of god people that's where god is leading us to that's why jesus sat down and he started to teach the beatitudes blessed are they blessed are they you're still going to be happy when persecuted and going through this and going through that and at this point you have a pure heart and from the heart the Bible says the issues of life come And if we have a pure heart, it's because the veil has been torn apart on our heart, and God has begun to get into our heart so deeply that our heart begins to be rearranged. And the Bible says he takes away the stony heart and begins to give us a heart of flesh, and that heart of flesh starts to beat, not for selfish things, not for just you and I, but that heart begins to beat for his heart, for his desires, for his will, for his purpose. Can I get an Amen. Number seven, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God, shall be called sons of God. You see, this is where you have a Christ-like influence. You see, now you have that pureness in your heart. How many know our hearts are still wicked? Every single day, no matter how long you serve God, you're going to be tempted to, to, with all kinds of arrows of the enemy, you're going to try to creep in, going to try to come in and tempt you. That's why we have to guard our heart. We have to work at it, protect it, keep that guard up. But here we see, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers because what happens is the more you start to take on the the attitude of Christ and you're clothed in Christ's goodness, now you start to have more influence in people in your surroundings. That's what a peacemaker does. Wherever you go, I am with you always, says the Lord. And if God is with you, guess what? Peace is with you. When you walk into a situation that's chaotic, all of a sudden there will be peace with you as you walk into it. Can I get an amen? You can be in the midst of the storms and trials of life, but guess what? You're blessed. You have that Macario blessing. Why? Because inside of you, you know that in the end the storms are going to come to cease because the Lord of all storms, the Lord of all trials, the Lord of all persecutions is the Lord of your life. And when God is with you, who can be against you? Peace is a sign and surety of your security. I know God is going to watch after me and my family. I know that when God says go, I'm going to go. Because he said, listen, when you go to the four corners of the world, then I am with you always. I didn't have to worry about, well, am I going to have this or have that or make sure financially and securely that we're going to be able to pay the bills. My God has continued to supply our needs. and I can sit here all day long and give glory to God for each miracle that he has done over the last 15 years for my family and I. And I'll tell you right now that God is sure to do what he said he'll do. That's the peace upon our lives. That's the peace that gets us on that airplane every single year to go across the world. That's the peace that keeps us going every single day when we got trials, we got battles, we got storms. Guess what? The enemy might try to come against us, but the Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on, Victory Outreach. Stop letting the enemy rob you of your peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. In your job, you can bring peace. In your workplace, in your families, in your household. You implement spiritual principles wherever you are. God is with you. When you turn everybody's attention towards him, he can't help but do something on your behalf. It ain't got to be on you. Sometimes as Christians, we think that As a Christian, people need to see us being perfect, that we can smile through everything. But the truth is, is that when you go to your workplace, continue to turn eyes towards God. In your household, turn the eyes towards God. And in the end, God will get the glory because he will show up. Step number eight. Almost there. Everybody Okay? I heard you guys like to have long sermons, so I know Pastor Stevan, he likes to preach. Step number eight, now you already have a peace in the storm. Now you bring peace where you go. You have that sense of security that the Lord is with you, and he shall fight your battles. But now Jesus says, listen, in the battles you're going to face, these are some of the battles. Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Did he see on earth? Did he see on earth? And say on earth. But so many times we're looking for the reward now. We want it now. We want the pat on the back now. We want the encouraging. We want this and that now but your reward is great in heaven for they persecuted the prophets that were before you. This is when you're at the summit of the mountain. You've gotten so close to God in your Christian life that you know without a shadow of doubt God is with you. You know that you're blessed no matter what happens, no matter what enemies try to come against you, no matter if people backbite and talk about you behind your back. Pastor Steve said, you want to talk about me, get in line, because the line will go right outside the door. How many can say amen? Stop worrying about what everybody else is saying or, or even thinking. Can I get an amen? Stop overanalyzing everything. Sometimes I get frustrated with all the analyticals. Trying to figure out why did they say this? Why did this, Why, why, why? Listen, ours is not the reason why, but to do or die we got a work to do. Stop getting caught up in all that. Why are we doing this? Because God has called us to do a greater work. There are souls that are dying. We can't get caught up in in worrying about our problems here and how people treat us here and how somebody gives you the cold shoulder or doesn't say hi to you or shake your hand. Listen, get over it already. Can I get an amen? Let go of those things. Empty yourself out on the altar so that God can begin to pour in an anointing upon your life. You become so close to God here that you're willing to suffer for Jesus' name. You're willing to suffer no matter what it takes. As one that is completely close to God on the peak of the mountain, you're willing to do whatever it takes for Him. Can I get an amen? Through whatever adversities or trials, it will never detour you. Why? Because you are in fellowship and oneness with Him. The word is yada. When you know God, completely know him, because you're so close on the, to his presence on the mountaintop, you're so intimate with God that it doesn't matter what people do or say. It doesn't matter what their agendas or their plans are to try to harm you or come against you. You already know the God in whom you serve you have that oneness with him. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter eleven thirty-two, 32, they that know their God shall display strength and they will take action. Pick up your cross. This is where you pick up your cross and you begin to follow him. His worship team comes up. This is where Jesus was leading it to. We talk about how we are called to be the salt and the light of the world. But the truth is, we can't truly be salty without strong, godly character. Without the right attitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. When people don't call you, when people don't go out of the way to help you, don't say that they don't care. How many know the devil's a liar? So many people leave the church because... I was sick and nobody called me. I didn't go to church one week, so nobody called me. So that church, they don't care. How many know the enemy likes to divert everybody? We all get distraction. We all have an ADD sometimes. Can I get an amen? We all kind of get, you know, multitasking, and the, the battle is great, the, the calling is great, the plan is great. and So don't sit there and allow the enemy to corrupt the character and, and begin to dilute the saltiness inside of your life. Listen, I know where God saved me in Victory Outreach, and I know that God had called me to Victory Outreach So what? So that I can live and die in the vision that God has called Victory Outreach to do. And I'm not going to let anything or anybody divert or what God wants to do in my life. I can't help but look at the founders and the leaders that have gone before me. I can't help but listen to the testimony of how this church was birthed. I can't help but be inspired and say, listen, if God can do it for them, then God can do it for us. I'm not out to impress. I'm not out to let people know my name. I'm out to do just what Pastor Steve taught me to do. That's to win souls to be the salt of the earth i don't care if people got all kinds of you know aspirations and ambitions around me listen you can go ahead and chase your dreams and ambitions but my dream is just to live and die for the gospel of jesus christ that's it that's it to be the salt. Because why? Salt adds flavor. How many know this world needs some men and women who are willing to say, listen, it doesn't matter what my plans are. It doesn't matter. We're only here for a small fraction of eternity, and I'm going to make sure that that small fraction will begin to invest into lives wherever I go. If it's in the children's ministry, I'm going to do all I can to prepare myself to add salt to those children every Sunday. I'm going to do whatever I can to to make sure that the preaching of the gospel in my church is full of salt. Why? Because I'm praying before the preaching comes forth. Can I get an amen? I'm going home, so I'm giving you all I got right now. Amen? I love this church. We love this church. We love this church. We love this church. And we want this church to understand the purpose plan of God on your lives. Don't get All twisted up. Your attitude of humility, meekness, your attitude of a pure heart, pure motives, pure desires, that's what. Steve did and that's why his legacy continues why because he did everything with a pureness of heart he wasn't trying to let high sign and do this he was trying to say listen we got a world out there and I'm gonna bring the gospel to Asia we're gonna bring the gospel to Africa we're gonna do whatever we can even if we got to finance it even if we got to do whatever we can why because there are souls that are dying are the salt. We are the light. The thing about the light is your light shines brighter the higher you get to the mountain peak. You can get up halfway and be settled on halfway, but your light will not shine for all the world to see. You might influence a few people with that light, but if you want your household to be saved, you want your drug addict family members to be saved I'll tell you my drug addict mother got saved when I was in Dublin, Ireland when I was on that mountain peak let my, light, let my life be whatever God wants, I'm willing to die for whatever God wants, it's not my will it's His will and when I surrendered, it, it went from good to gooder it went from good to I wasn't satisfied just serving God because He's good I wanted to experience the good Gooder. The gooder, it was gooder, it was better, it was very good. Now many know that we're serving a God of the very good? Are you with us this afternoon? Stand to your feet. Let your light shine before all men. Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. Let your light shine before all men. What it takes is for each one of us to make a decision. Just to get up that mountain, get closer to God, get closer to his presence, get closer to the light of God. How many know Moses went to the burning bush on the mountain? You can have great encounters when you climb that mountain. How many can say amen? Let's worship God, church.